Hi, this is Rob Carmichael, and welcome to Mainly Matters. Uh, this is my first podcast, and I'm pleased to be able to begin what I hope will be an interesting, informative series featuring business leaders within and outside the state of Maine. We'll be talking about all things related to business beyond, and and maybe some topics that that uh, we'll discover along the way. And in the session today. Again, my first, I'm uh, discussing entrepreneurship and the challenges of creating a successful and long-lasting business. I'm very pleased today and very proud, obviously, to introduce my first guest who, with full disclosure, is very close to me. He's my son, Rob. Uh, Grew up calling him Bobby Carmichael, the founder and CEO of President uh, Cadeo Group, an energy-focused consulting firm formed in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Mainly Matters, Rob. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to be the first guest. I mean, it's yeah. all it's all uphill from here. So you set <laughs> yes. an easy bar, easy bar for all your future guests to pass. Exactly, exactly. You're setting the bar for us, so uh, we can only go up up from here. And yeah, that's and right. Very excited to get started. Uh, as I said in the in the beginning, we're going to talk about a lot of different topics with this podcast. Hopefully, going forward, we'll be talking to business leaders and folks inside the state of Maine and and outside the state of Maine, maybe with some connections. Uh, try to keep it somewhat connected to Maine, but it won't be certainly limited to just Maine topics. So let's get started today. Talk about uh, Cadeo Group. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the company, uh, your yeah, your yeah, mission, sure. and so forth? Sure. So so Cadeo is a energy efficiency um, uh, research firm, and so uh, most of our clients are electric utilities. And then we also do work for some government clients, the Department of Energy. Um, and basically what what uh, our company does is uh, economic and engineering analyses to help utility clients help their customers save energy. So you might pay the utility, um, you know, every month for the electricity that you get, and they're going to in many states, they'll set aside one or two percent of that bill uh, to help um, uh, to help their customers uh, save energy. So that might be through rebates. Um, that may be through programs like you know up in up in Maine, trying to get some uh, ductless heat pumps up there, um, uh, or or what have you. So we're, we'll help them design those programs. We'll help them analyze how uh, much energy they've saved and how they can save more. Um, now, Cadeo itself is moving into, we're also doing more research on, you know, electric vehicles. Um, how can we get more of those out there? But I think the broad, uh, maybe just a broad, easy way to think about it is we do research and, uh, to help support, um, clean energy more broadly. Uh, we have three offices, one in Washington, DC, one in Portland, Oregon, and one in Seattle, Washington, um, about 45 uh, people in the company the company now and uh, about seven years old. So you've grown to, uh, you started with obviously just uh, just yourself. Did you have a partner coming into the company? No, it was just me. Um, I uh, had, uh, let's see, my first hire about a month in. Um, so that started, you can think of basically beginning of 2014. To, to, to at forty five people within a seven year period, very, very impressive growth. 
uh, growth path there. Would you describe, tell us about your, uh, your background and education, how you, how you got to this point or how you began, uh, even, even the thought uh, of going on your own, beginning a, a business. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, um, I, for undergrad, I went to the university of Virginia, now in Charlottesville, go who's. And, um, I majored in economics there and, um, yeah, I I was interested in economics, but you know I think like most people had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and so my first job was uh, in investment banking. Um, you know back in that day, and I'm sure it's still the same. You know, a lot of a lot of kids in schools like Virginia just you know they're looking to get into Wall Street, go to Wall Street, and um, and I was no different. And um, spent about two years doing that. Um, this was uh, 2004, 2006 timeframe. And, um, I didn't love it. Uh, and I had always had a, you know, just always been a sports nut, probably got that from you. Um, and, uh, and wanted to do, and I also enjoyed writing. Um, so I thought, you know what, I want to be a sports writer. That's what I'm going to do. And I was entirely, you know, complete 180 from investment banking, that buttoned up world to, to that. So I went into journalism school, a master's, trying to get my master's in journalism, um, at the university of Maryland. Um, I was, uh, yeah. And, and then, so I went through, let's see, probably about 18 months of that program. I was interning, you know, at the Washington post sports department. And, um, and then I ended up interning at USA today um, and I was at yesterday, I was covering energy issues. Um, and for that was just pure chance, pure chance that I happened to be covering energy issues. And along the way, so I wrote a couple articles for USA Today, and you, you can look up the byline Bobby Carmichael, and you'll, <laughs> you'll find some very poorly written articles. Um, and I, uh, so along the way, I, I suppose I realized, um, you know, hey, I, I, I want to have a want to have a family. Um, I don't want that family to starve. And journalism at the time was going through its own crisis with, um, you know, the web, and uh, they didn't know how they were going to make money, how they were going to generate revenue. Um, you know, no one was getting newspapers. The classifieds were going away. Craigslist was eating up that um, that business. When later Facebook Marketplace and um, so there, there wasn't, it wasn't a great future. And then I also realized, Oh, to be a sports reporter, I got to be gone nights and weekends <laughs> covering the games. And uh, so I didn't, I didn't really think that through. So anyways, so I, uh, I, uh, and I, and in writing a couple of those articles, I, um, I realized I, the energy articles specifically for USA today, I realized that I wasn't getting very deep into the issues and really I'm a, a pretty strong analyst um and uh so i i said you know well how can i pivot here into something that's i'm interested in this energy thing i like doing analysis i like solving problems and so i went into consulting and um got a job in the consulting world um supporting the department of energy at a firm called navigant um down in dc and um and then, you know, just, yeah, I was a management consultant there. Um, and my job was uh, to um, analyze the impacts of regulations on manufacturers 
And I really like that. And I like the, the whole consulting vibe. Um, and uh, when it came to managing people, when it came to solving problems, uh, client service, I really liked that that model. Um, and while I was there, I, I got a, uh, nice weekends. I got a part, I got an MBA from the university of Maryland and that sort of started me down the entrepreneurial route when I was doing that. And, uh, and I've always, I've always thought that that was, uh, an interesting path because it, and I think maybe to, for our listeners out there, somebody thinking about going into business for themselves, uh, becoming an entrepreneur, the path isn't always a straight path maybe from your education directly down one line to your your future business is that uh, the way yeah. you experience it well certainly yeah my my path was certainly circuitous and you know i think i think in hindsight is it it can it can make sense or it cannot make sense and i think that's fine i think we tend to tell ourselves stories of causation after the fact that you know don't have it could have gone a million different ways. Um, so I think, you know, I think, I think for any entrepreneur, I think the thing is to, well, for anybody who wants to start a business, I think the takeaway is there's no perfect background, right? There's no, yeah, there's no, there's no right path. I think, I think you could say that for almost any career, frankly. Um, but yeah, when I went to, when I got that, that MBA, that just, started me down this route i think maybe i just matured a little bit and got some confidence as well as in terms of i had success in navigate uh, you know in that kind of corporate ladder and um develop some relationships um and i think i thought well i know i i know i thought oh this is there's a little less mystery here <laughs> there than um you know there's no one behind the curtain <laughs> of this this, uh, this 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 corporate not corporate world but this you know I started to believe in myself more. Um, there's nothing missing. Um, and, and that, so, yeah, so I had this itch to start a business and I didn't really care what it was, frankly, just wanted to start a business. Um, and then I finally came to the realization that the, the, the straightest line to doing that was to really do something very similar to what I was doing, which was consulting. And what, uh, the time you did it wasn't exactly the, the, probably the, the, you would say the easiest time, in your life to pick to pick a time to go off on your own and start your own business is that correct <laughs> yeah i had uh, two let's see i had um at that time robbie you know the the third generation robbie here or fourth generation robbie i should say um was let's see he must he was probably five and then i had julia who was two and then uh and then kate who was two months <laughs> old so i had three kids under five in a little townhouse in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, and yeah, I'll tell you, that was a little nerve wracking, but um, probably more for you <laughs> than for me. I, think I, so. <laughs> I, uh, I, I had a lot of confidence that I could at least um, maintain basically the, the, the lifestyle that we had, you know, maybe, it, maybe it wouldn't be a slam dunk success, but um, I had a, with consulting, there are really no barriers to entry. Um, it's not like starting, um, you don't need a lot of capital. You basically, you need a computer, um, and a contract. <laughs> That's the hard, the latter is the hard part. Um, someone that was willing to pay you to, um, think about their problems and, and help solve them. Um, and I had enough confidence that I could at least do that. 
um, and I certainly had grander ex, um, aspirations. You know, I wanted to grow a company. There was no doubt about that from the beginning. I didn't want it to be me. That's why it's not about me. That's why it's not called Carmichael and Associates. Uh, you know, I, uh, um, I called it group just because I wanted to seem bigger than one person. <laughs> Yeah, that's an and, interesting, when, when you picked the name, I think we had the conversation at the time. Why, why did you pick Cadeo? How did you come up with Cadeo? Yeah, uh, I wish I had a great origin story, um, but I knew I knew what I didn't want. And I think there's a lot of value in knowing what you don't want, even if you don't, and I mean that generally, um, it, even if you don't know exactly what you want, you know, you don't know you don't know what you want to do, but you know what you don't want. I think there's a lot of lot to unearth there. Um, and what I didn't want was it to be named after myself, seems which made it seem small. Um, and I didn't want. I looked in this in the energy space, and I didn't want it to be like everybody else. And everybody else would basically do some sort of, uh, you know, they they'd find wisdom and then in some Greek tra- translation of more, more something like wisdom or knowledge or something like that. And it just, it just seemed a little cliche. So what does Kadeo mean? Absolutely nothing. Um, I, I liked the sound of it. Um, I, uh, oh, there's a, there's a company called, this is maybe here and there for, for the listeners, but there's a company called, uh, IDEO. Um, and I, uh, IDEO, and I thought it was IDEO and I loved the sound of that. So, I ended up just matching, literally matching syllables together. And how, uh, and how often up. do you get asked uh, asked that question? What does Kadeo? You know, early on, all the time, and I started to think, oh, man, I need to come up with a lie here because my story is terrible compared to you know, because everyone almost almost to a person, people would say, oh, I like how that sounds, but uh, the, but in the, where did where did it come from? There'd be there'd be no. All I did was you know. Google it to make sure it didn't mean, you know, some, I, I don't know if we can curse on this podcast, but something, <laughs> something, <negative. laughs> something, something bad in, you know, Russian or something. And, um, or, and, uh, um, and once that was clear, uh, you know, I just, I just went and went ahead and trademarked it and, and set up the, the company, <laughs> company name. And now I don't get asked that question much because we have a, we have a brand in the industry and it's just, it's just, just what it is. Well, you are, you're seven years, as you said, seven years in now, and we're going to talk a, a little bit now about, uh, I, I want to talk to you about the challenges. Uh, I think you, you know these studies, probably our listeners know a lot of the studies about the failure rate at startups. Uh, failure rate night in 2019, the failure rate of startup businesses was 90%. Uh, 21.5% of startups fail in the first year, 30% the second year, 50 in the fifth year, and 70% in 10 years. And uh, we'll talk about, you know, a lot of the reasons why. And, and But how, what are some of the reasons yours has been successful this, to this point? And what challenges have you faced and, and maybe you still are facing? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think luck, number one. Um, I don't think... You know, again, in, in hindsight, it's easy to assign it to great leadership and <laughs> cunning and skill. But I think I think we all have to acknowledge a little bit of luck in what we do. Um, and uh, but you know, you know that that said, I, I it, it, and every every business is is certainly different. Um, but you, you gotta 
you, you got to have relationships. Um, and I think the ability to, in consulting in particular, it's a trust based business. Um, you know, you need, I, I need clients that they know that I'm going to be thinking about their projects and their problems, you know, when throughout the day, it doesn't, it doesn't stop nine to five. It, it, and I didn't, it, you know, I'm in, I'm in the shower. I'm thinking, how can we do this? How can we change that report? How can we convey that information? How can we get that information? Um, how can we be creative to, to solve that problem um, or get that data that no one else can get um, for the client? And that's, that's not something that I have to manifest in myself. That's something that it was just there. Like I, I cared about the job that I did. Um, and, you know, so, so I think that's enough maybe to get myself paid. And then in terms of how to grow from, from that, it's, it's about people identification, you know, finding and recruiting, finding people that, will also that share that value so that value of client service and and just care on a day-to-day basis about what they're doing you know everybody i hire is like i and i recruit i talk to and want to convey like we're not clock watchers here you know we you don't have to work this isn't um you know this isn't investment banking where we're looking to work 80 100 hours a week but we're going to care about what we do and getting better at what we do when we're, when we're, when we're working. Um, so I think, you know, that ethos helped us grow. Um, it sounds I mean, to me a little bit like you're also describing a passion that you can't go into something like this without a significant amount of passion. Maybe that's a word that gets overused today, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think it's, um, I think that's true. I think for, especially in our industry, we know, which is around clean energy, there are a lot of mission driven um, people. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, I happen to not be one of those. I wish I was, (laughs) I wish I was mission driven in the sense of saving the world. Um, You know, I'm glad we're, we're getting out, we're supporting the development of clean technologies and clean energy and getting that out into the world. For me, it's about the journey. Um, of that entrepreneurship and those challenges. Um, that doesn't mean it has to be the same exact passion um, for everybody that joins Cadeo or is part of Cadeo, um, but they have to have that spark, you know, and otherwise you just, you're not going to enjoy it. Um, and yeah, so, so some form of passion or at least the ability to c- cultivate a sense of passion. When you, you talked about your relationships and obviously, uh, you know, when we talk about emotional intelligence and in, in business and with leaders, relationships come into play that way significantly, both from a customer standpoint, but talk a little bit about the mentor uh, you had. Uh, I think you, you, you had a mentor at uh, Navigant that was very instrumental yeah. in your success. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Um, so there's luck and then, and I, and I guess I would throw in, uh, I would throw in that mentorship with the luck and, or the drive to find somebody that cares about your success. Um, and then, you know, it, it, um, so anyways, so I had, a I had a wonderful mentor still do, um, that Navigant, um, someone that can still talk to, um, and, 
you know, uh, that, that person was supportive both in terms, I had a great relationship. So, you know, and I remember one of the first things he said to me when I was the first non-engineer that he'd hired. Um, and, uh, so I was a risk in itself. And I think perhaps that, that I worked out for him as a higher, uh, I don't know, maybe we developed some sort of bond, but, um, one of the first things he, he said when we were, when we were doing kind of our first performance review, my first performance review with him. And he was saying, you know, what do you want to do in five years? And don't tell me, you know, don't tell me you're going to be, you want to be, kadeo, kadeo. I mean, you want to be at Navigant, 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 like tell me the truth. Like, and so he was very open to that possibility. He was open. He, he welcomed me to say something that wasn't in, you know, the interest, the, the company, you know, the yes man right. interest, you know? So so I told him, yeah, I think I want to start a business. And I was very open about that. And um, and so I, you know, I, he, he allowed he, he allowed that. And 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 so I think from then on, he, because he shared things with me that maybe he wouldn't share with others, and or maybe he would, but he just saw something. But at the same time, I was busting my ass to <laughs> do a great job sure. for him and for his client, and. So it it was, you know, it was it never felt like necessarily like a, like a transactional relationship. It felt you know, transformational or whatever the right buzzword is, um, in the sense that, you know, I I got to I got to learn a lot from him, and he got a lot out of out of me in terms of trying to help him be successful um, in his role. And I think um, that's a that's a that's a really uh, key takeaway for for our listeners is is that you have to build relationships uh, obviously with customers and with maybe people that are you're going to be instrumental in your financing and all of those sorts of things but developing relationships with uh, mentors and and those people that can help you along the way from a growth standpoint or those are really key aspects mm-hmm. of a becoming an entrepreneur and and taking the and being able to take the risk to become an entrepreneur as you did yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, an element of, you know, and you're not, not, not every person's like this, this mentor that I had, you know, um, I think there's more out there than you, than people think. Um, but I think you, you have to sort of give, give a part of yourself to any relationship. Right. And without this expectation of getting something back right away. And, you know, if, if, if it doesn't work out, then that's fine. Like you're not really out anything. Um, but those were when the strongest relationships when someone, when you're, you know, you, you put what well, you get, what you put in, I suppose. And, and that's, that's one part of, uh, what are the, the other challenges that typically are yeah. cited when they talk about businesses failing or money ran out, wrong market, uh, right. lack of research and so forth. What are the challenges, uh, in, in just, uh, a few seconds, could you describe that you had? Yeah. I mean, so I never raised capital. So cash was you know, cash is king. And especially when you're trying to hire. Um, and so all of our cash or all of our ability to fund operations came straight from, um, the past, you know, our, our billable revenue. Um, so that, that was a challenge in terms of, in terms of growth. Um, the, where we, we had to, yeah, we had, we were lean, for a while um still are but i mean we were you know we, uh i am not let's see 
I am, I am not risk averse, <laughs> obviously. Um, and so every dollar that we, that we made as a firm in, in the initial three or four or five years was plowed right back into hiring. Um, and which is great, but when you do that, you, there's no, you know, there's no six month, nine month, 12 month, um, bank account that can cover payroll in case things, um, don't, don't go well. And, um, so, you know, I think to the extent that we had to be very focused on business development, um, and that was, that was one challenge. Um, so just paying, you know, keep paying the bills was, it was a big deal. Um, this, uh, the other challenge that's, um, that I think a lot of companies have in, in, especially in our space in consulting where you can, it's, there are tons of companies from one to 20 people, um, you know, growing beyond that, uh, a lot of, someone once told me, you know, your every system, every time you double in size, all your systems break, right? So how you, how you think about which, what business to do, how you think about, which RFPs to bid on, how you do performance reviews. Um, and so we have tried to be very intentional about, about understanding that while we're 20 right now, we could be 40 in two years. What do we need to be thinking about? Um, you know, what, what this in the past two years, we've had to revamp our accounting systems in a big way, um, including in, in investing for growth. So, that's an interesting um, point. You don't, uh, many cases, you, you don't think that far ahead of what are we going to need for uh, payroll systems? What are we going to need for all those accounting systems, our uh, communication delivery systems, all of those sorts of things? How does yeah. it change when you, when you double in, in growth? It, it, the one example or the way I've, the framework I've kind of come to over the last several years is, um, you know, a big poker player, not a big poker player. I love poker. I never play, but I love poker. And uh, you know, you go to Vegas and you you play Texas Hold'em, and there's there's different levels of tables, right? You know, there's the one two table, there's the two four table, the four eight table, and and basically, you know, the odds don't change, but but the the calculations have to change in terms of what bet you're willing to make, given your hand, depending on what table you're at. You have to be willing. To put out a lot more money, but at the same odds for the same returns, percentage-wise, at the you know at the unlimited at uh, the no limit table as, you, as the one-two table, um, and when you're growing a company, the same thing happens. Like I, you know, when I'm hiring, when there's two people, I have a certain sense of scale. Well, but when we're four, and uh, and I might make choices based on that in terms of the services we can afford and you know what what payroll can be and how sophisticated our systems well when you're 40 you know that has to change completely um and someone says uh you know we need to this service is going to cost ten thousand dollars my orientation has to continue to change like in terms of evaluating what does ten thousand mean where we are now um you know on day one that would have terrified me Right. But I, but it has to change over time because um, uh, and, and what has to change, I, I should say, is is that mindset, is how we're viewing those sorts of um, investment decisions. And that wasn't easy. You know, that that takes time. And each time I'm like, am I still in the at the one two table or am I should I be and I really should be at the four eight table here <laughs> with this decision? 
I'm sure that was challenging all the way through. And you, it, you're a people intensive business, obviously. You, you, yep. you don't have a lot of infrastructure, a lot of capital that from that standpoint, but it's about the people. Let's shift. We got a couple minutes left. Uh, if we let's talk a little bit about uh, your culture, uh, the people that you're hiring. You just mentioned uh, earlier to me, you did some more interviews. You're up to 40 some people now. What are you looking for in the people that come to work for Cadeo? I'm sorry. And how does that, how does that uh, react with your culture or fit with mm -hmm. your culture? Well, uh, you know, there's sort of, there's the strategic sides in terms of what we're looking for. Like, do they, are they, do they add something incremental to what we already have, um, in terms of a new expertise or they can, a new client base or something, maybe new geography. Um, but then there's, yeah, the, the cultural or sort of the more intrinsic values. And, um, I, I think what we found is, um, and we, we've done the strengths finder test as <laughs> uh, you find everyone's strengths. And I tend to, I, I tend to hire, um, it turns out learners. So people that are really strong in terms of learners. Um, so they're, they're self-starters, but they enjoy, they get satisfaction out of learning. Um, and, uh, and I think that has helped us develop a real strong, get better culture. It's a kind of our cheesy tagline, but we actually believe it internally. Um, and, uh, so, so learners, so what else am I looking for? Um, I like people that take their craft, we talk about craft, like, uh, what we do on a database, day-to-day -day basis, seriously, like they, they really care. Um, but don't take themselves too seriously. Um, and so there's usually, usually there's a, a sense of, um, appreciation for substance, but, um, and a real intolerance to, uh, formality without substance. You know, um, if, if, if I get a sense that someone's using formality as a substitute for substance, um, that drives me crazy that, that, that I'm not gonna, that's, that person's not going to succeed. And that, that um, seems to me, as I read your, your values, your company values, and as I, uh, for our listeners, Cadeo group, Dot com you can get a good sense of of this company and the values are, are stated there and i really like the first one uh, where it starts with uh, uh well what the first bullet is we we start with the premise that we don't know what we don't know that way we listen better i thought that was was it probably sends a big message in terms of what your culture is about is that correct yeah absolutely and i think you know i talked about earlier about like defining defining who we are based on who we're not. And, um, you know, I, I'd observed, uh, and every company has this, but I'd observed a lot of, uh, pretension of knowledge, especially in consulting, right. Where we're supposed to know the answers, <laughs> um, you're supposed to have it. And, and sometimes what's, what's lost is the, that listening skill, you know, the client's got something and you're supposed, people feel compelled. They feel like they have to have the answer. Um, man, new managers feel like they have to have the answer. And I think, I think it's much better to, to accept that maybe you don't and just, you just listen, um, and figure out where you're going to go, uh, from, from there. Uh, again, that opens up that relationship to be two way rather than one way. Um, and I think that's, I, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the topic of emotional intelligence and leadership, and that's one of the key 
characteristics of emotional intelligence that it, with successful leaders is the ability to listen. Yeah. I mean, I, and I see that with, with managers too. I had somebody who was a new manager um, and was, was reluctant to, and I, in my company here and um, uh, didn't want to be, she, she had this phrase, uh, so I'll never forget. She, it's like, I don't want to be responsible for, another human being. <laughs> and I, I, and I, and I heard her and, and, it, and, it, and this person will be a fantastic manager. She's so talented. Um, and I just said, that's, that bar is really high. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not your, your responsibility as a manager is to care about this person's development. Um, and, and I know you're a caring person. You can do that in spades, right? You're just caring about it. And, you know, when that comes to having a hard conversation, you know, giving feedback, which is a value here, um, that feedback. And I was like, don't, you know, don't, don't forget feedback is not ne- always negative. Right. In fact, most of the feedback you give, if that's positive, that's awesome. You know, recognize what, sure the, what successes are. Um, but when you have to give negative feedback as well, um, you know, that's a sign of respect. That's a sign that you care about this person. Um, and now she's doing fantastic and can't, you know, she's going to be a, one of our, one of our great managers. Um, uh, Sounds like a success story. And I think yeah. our, our listeners probably can gauge a bit about uh, what kind of a leader you are, but I'm going to put you on the spot here as we wind, wind up today in, in one sentence, describe yourself as a leader. What kind of leader are you? Hmm. I would say, I, I'm a both and leader. So and what I mean by that, if I could cheat, um, is that I think people need to be both supported and challenged. Um, and I think my, my, I think the first job is to, is to support and be empathic. Uh, and, um, and that, and, challenge so i don't think it has to be an, an either or um and i think i i think people deserve or yeah deserve that respect right it's um in people deserve that respect to be both supported and challenged and i and i think both are respectful ways of leading well it's it's certainly working right now with Cadeo Group, Rob, and and the way you're building the company and continue to have great success. You're seven years in. You mentioned, oh, I was at 44 people now. 44, yeah, yeah. 44, 44 employees, team mem- members, and I want to thank you for for joining us today, joining me in my first podcast. We hope to have you back. We want to talk more about leadership at culture in the future topics. So I'm certainly going to ask you to come back and join us, but thank you for joining mainly matters today. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to seeing you, uh, climb those, those, the, the Apple, the Apple favorite podcast charts. I'm sure you'll be, you'll wait, be way up there in the app store. The bar is really low right now, but we're out. Nowhere to go, but we're going up. We're going up. (laughs) So thank you all for joining us uh, with uh, Mainly Matters. We look forward to seeing you again soon.